12 rounds is a long time to stay on your feet. It feels like a lifetime. But you've trained, you've conditioned, you've put in the work, you've sacrificed, and you've pushed. You've taken some hard hits, and you've thrown a few of your own. You've been against the ropes, and you've fought your way out. But eventually, you get knocked down, and you feel like throwing in the towel, and the 10 count starts. One, two. But with 12 rounds, there's still time for a comeback. Hey everybody, how are you? Good morning. Good to have you. Glad, glad, glad you're here this weekend. Um, hey, listen, just if, if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you can click to turn to Genesis chapter 37. Uh, if not, no worries. Uh, scripture come up on the side screen as, as we get to that place. Also, just in, in case, uh, I haven't said this in a while, in case you don't know and you're a, a, like a techie person, uh, then you can, if you use the Bible app like Uversion, uh, you can actually go to that and you can search on live site and then you can click Fellowship of the Rockies or punch it in if it doesn't come up. And then our notes will come up, which is the same outline as in the bulletin with all the scripture and stuff like that. You can actually take notes uh, electronically and then email them to yourself or someone else that you think desperately needs this message. How's that? And so, uh, so anyway, so there's several ways to, to do that. So if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, you either click to, turn to Genesis chapter 37, verse 12 is where we're going to be this morning. And so I started a brand new series last week on the life of Joseph. Joseph was raised in a dysfunctional family. He was in an imperfect family, and, and so we all have imperfect families. We're all dysfunctional to some extent. And so Joseph was raised in a, in a dysfunctional family, imperfect family. Joseph was, over, was able to overcome his family origin and do what God had called him to do. And there's several things that Joseph was able to do uh, to, that allowed him to do that. And so today, we're just going to continue this, his, his, his story. And, and the title of today's message is Down But Not Out. I don't know if you've ever gone through adversity and you just felt like, you know what, I, I am down and I feel like I, I am down for the count. And I don't think I'll ever get back up. And so, so this is Joseph. This is where we pick up Joseph's story. And so I'm going to talk to you this morning about how to handle and how to deal with adversity. Because really and truly in the, in, in the world in which we live, it's not a question of, <coughs> of if you're going to go through adversity, it's when. I mean, it is just a matter of time before every one of us is going to go through adversity of some sort. The problem with adversity is it comes with no warning, right? A lot of times, you, you know, you don't schedule that in the calendar. You don't, you know, on the third day of the month, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have adversity to where you get to prepare for it. It, it comes at a moment's notice. It can come with a, with a telephone call. It can come with a, a pink slip at the office if the office is uh, downsizing and there's going to be layoffs that are on their way. It can come in the form of a phone call with a relationship uh, that, that, is, that is breaking apart. It can come in the, in the form of a health crisis, uh, the untimely death of a loved one. I mean, there's all different ways that adversity comes. And so I, I want to talk to you about this issue of adversity and, and some of the things that happen, especially in family dynamics, for, 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 for Joseph. What made his adversity so difficult? His family. I mean, his, his adversity was, was came out of his family, and sometimes those are the most paralyzing, right? 
Because that's the last place we expect that to happen, uh, whether, it's, whether it's our family, whether it's our brothers and sisters, whether it's relationships. And so Joseph has this, this challenge in his life. And so a little bit about their, their dysfunctional family, and we'll, we'll get to where, where, where we are today. But Jacob was, was Joseph's dad, and, and Jacob had a favorite, and Joseph was his favorite. And so everybody knew it. His brothers knew it. His brothers knew they'd never be as loved as Joseph. They'd never be as good as Joseph. And Joseph's dad didn't cover up the issues that he loved Joseph more than any other brothers. I mean, Joseph was the one that got all the easy chores. He got all the, he got the most compliments. In fact, is he got all the stuff. Uh, dad made Joseph a, 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 a coat of many colors, which would be like a, tex in our, a tux in our day. It would be like, you know, it'd be like a, a, a coat that's reserved for royalty or, 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 or some, some, a, a person in a prominent position. And so in Joseph, <coughs> excuse me, Joe, could you, Aaron, would you mind throwing me a water? Uh, thank you. And so, uh, see, I can catch. <laughs> I'm glad I did. <laughs> that would be embarrassing. So. So Joseph's dad had, had, had a favorite, and so, so Joseph's brothers, because of that, they hated Joseph. They hated him because he was dad's favorite. He, he got all the good stuff. He got, he, and, and then not only that, he got, he got this dream from God that one day he was going to be a prominent person. So br Joseph's brothers, what drove them was jealousy and hatred. So they're raised in this dysfunctional family. And not only that, Joseph was afraid one day his dad wouldn't love him the most. I mean, he would lose his position. So as a result of that, Joseph was a tattletale. And Joseph would tell, his, tell on his brothers all the time to get them in trouble. Just letting dad know that, yeah, there's a reason I'm the favorite because I'm better than the other brothers. And I, 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 I don't do the same things that they do. And as a result of that, you had these family dynamics set up that were just difficult to manage. And so one day, Jacob, Joseph's father, told the brothers sent them out on a business trip and said, you guys go take care of the fields. And so the brothers went out <coughs> and began taking care of the fields. And then, then Jacob one day comes to Joseph and says, hey, I'm worried about your brothers. You know, they're always doing something wrong. They're always getting in trouble. So why don't you go find them and then bring back to me a report? Let me know what they're doing. Let me know what's going on. And so Joseph loved to do stuff like that. And so Joseph set out, and so he's on his way. He finally finds his brothers. His brothers could see Joseph coming from a long ways off. And so all of a sudden, his brothers started having a conversation. And they decided, you know what? Why don't we just kill him? I mean, why don't, why don't we just kill him? Why don't we just take him out? And then we'll be end with this mess. We won't have to put up with Joseph any longer. We don't have to deal with this situation any longer. So let's just kill him. And so they began talking about this issue of taking Joseph's life. I mean, this is how bad that they hated him. This is the jealousy that they had. And so as Joseph was getting closer, all of a sudden, one of the brothers, Judah, Judah stands up and says, you know what? Why kill him? I mean, what will that profit us? Why don't we sell him into slavery? At least we'll make some money on the deal. And so his brothers considered that, and then Joseph, Joseph shows up. <coughs> and so when he shows up, uh, they take his coat, they throw him in a, in a pit, they have a conversation that they're going to take his coat, they're going to shred it, they're going to sacrifice a goat, they're going to rub the goat's blood on the coat, they're going to take it back to dad, and they're going to let dad know that Joseph is dead. So that's the conspiracy, that's what's happening. Joseph is in this pit, it seems like there is no way out, it seems like there is no answer, there's no way he could get out at this point, and he had to have thought he was going to die. I mean, this is adversity, let me tell you something, Joy 
Joy is not the absence of something. It is the presence of someone. A lot of times we think that our joy is dependent on the absence of something, the absence of a problem, the absence of adversity, the absence of conflict. But that's not what joy is dependent on. Your joy and my joy is not dependent upon the absence of someone. It's dependent on the presence of someone, God. It's dependent upon us realizing that even in a pit, even in the pit of life, even in the adversity of life, that guess what? We may not like what's going on. We may not like the dynamics we're having to put up with, but God is still with us, and somehow God's going to work in this. So this morning, before we take communion, I'm going to give you five principles for us to understand about adversity. Now, now listen, normally I give like three, and, and so, but don't let it worry you. We'll do five in the same amount of time, okay? We'll move through some very slowly. We'll move through some very quickly, and then we'll take communion together as we lead into that. But here's the first thing about adversity is this, is you, have to, you just have to remember when you're in the pit of life, where you're going through adversity, you have to remember there is always a purpose for adversity. There's always a purpose for adversity. God's, God's still sovereign. God's still in control. And so there's always a purpose for adversity. Adversity that I go through and adversity that you go through. In other words, there always a, there's always a positive and a negative to adversity. The positive of this, if you handle adversity right in your life, then it, it matures you. It, it matures you emotionally. It, appear, it matures you spiritually. In other words, if you handle adversity right, we're going to see it in Joseph's life. That Joseph broke free of some stuff in his life that needed to go. Joseph moved his trust from himself and from his circumstances to the Lord. And so there's, there's the positive and the negative adversity. The positive is this. It can promote spiritual growth. That's where a lot of times when we go through adversity and we go through difficult times, we understand about prayer a little bit more. We understand about the relationship with God. We understand that God sustains us a little bit more. And so there's the positive. But guess what? There's also the negative. If you and I do not handle adversity, adversity properly, it can defeat us. It can destroy us. In other words, we can stay in the pit the rest of our life. I mean, I, I, I watch this happen in Scripture. I watch this happen all the time in ministry. We're, we're, we're two people go through similar crisis or similar situation or similar adversity and all of a sudden, one person comes out spiritually mature and deeper in Christ. And, and there's just this, this, something just happened to them in that moment because of the way they handled it. But I also notice some people that they go through adversity and they don't come out better. You know what? They come out bitter. They come out bitter. They come out cynical. They're cynical against God, cynical against church, bitter against the people around them. So we have to understand that there's the positive side and the negative side of adversity. And the ultimate goal, what Scripture tells us, the ultimate goal of adversity is to help us learn to trust God. Help us to learn that we're in, we're the, we're in that pit and there is nobody around us that, guess what, that God is, even, God is with us. And God is at work whether we feel it or not. There's, and there's no way Joseph, when he was in the pit, thought he would ever get out of that. Thought he would ever still fulfill what God has called him to fulfill. And, but, but God's eternal purpose, I'm telling you, is it work in you in adversity, whether you feel it or not? Sometimes, when you feel like he's not doing anything, that's when he's doing the most in your life. So when they, they casted Joseph into this, this pit, and can you imagine what's going through his mind as far as he thinks that, you know what, I'm, I'm down for the count. I, I, I'm not going to get out of this. Joseph, listen, Joseph had lost everything. Joseph lost his family. Uh, he had lost his relationship with his dad that he loved deeply. He lost his relationship with his brothers and his sisters. Uh, he lost his coat 
That coat was like his approval. Uh, that's where he found significance. That's where he found approval. So he lost that. He lost his security. Um, Joseph lost everything. I mean, Joseph was really sensitive to that coat. And, and not only that, he, he had to lose a sense of purpose because he says, how, how is God going to fulfill his purposes in me with the dreams that he's, he's given me? And so here, here's the interesting thing that, that's, that sometimes when God begins to mold us, we don't like the fingers that he's using to mold us. He, Joseph is using his brother's. Our God is using his brothers, the people that would criticize him, the people that would hurt him, to mold him. And so all of a sudden, Joseph is going through this, and God is using his brothers to mold him and to change him. And in fact is, and this is why it's so hurtful, and this is what we're going to talk about. Um, I don't know if you ever dealt with critics. You ever dealt with critics? You ever dealt with someone that was constantly criticizing you? See, this is what made it so paralyzing for Joseph. Joseph's family, Joseph's brothers, became his biggest critic. In other words, Joseph's brothers began, like, destroying him. There's something about a critic. A critic is someone that just always finds fault. In other words, a critic is someone that really doesn't care about the relationship. And, and they, they, man, they're just that person that's always finding fault. Fact is, let, let's walk through this. It's just in the scriptures. It's so fascinating to me. Just give you some identifiers for, for critics that we all have to deal with. Uh, the first thing is this, a critics always run in a group. You ever notice that? Notice that? Critics don't run along. I mean, they, they, they run in a group. I mean, they're, they're telling their girlfriends, they're, they're telling, you know, their guy friends, they're, they're telling their buddies. I mean, they're, they're getting this group together. I mean, critics, listen, critics never run in a group. Jesus had to deal with that, right? Remember Jesus in, in his ministry, that he had this group of people that were always criticizing him. They were always finding fault with him. It didn't matter what he did. He could walk on water. He could feed 5,000, and they would always find fault. They would always find what was wrong with Jesus, and, and they were called Pharisees, right? And so you never find in, in Scripture where a Pharisee would confront Jesus one-on-one. Never. They never had that conversation. You know how they confronted him? As a group. Listen, critics always run in a group. Listen, I'm telling you, just, just, this, is, this is like for free. Your husband's name should be safe on your lips. Your wife's name should be safe on your lips. In other words, when you're with outside of, of her or him, or, or you're, you're outside of, of, you're with your friends or whatever, you should not criticize telling you. I mean, this issue of criticism is like, it, it is like paralyzing in relationships. Their name should be safe on your friend's name. Listen, your friend's name, you want to have deep relationships, deep friendships, your friend's name should be safe on your lips. See, critics, critics always run in groups. See, critics are always finding fault. Critics, critics truly, they don't care about solving the problem. You know what they do? They attack the person and not the problem. Emotional maturity and spiritual maturity is this ability not to get personal, not to get personal in this whole deal, but to be able to come to the place to where, you know what, we're going to attack a problem and not a person. You're going to see this, but watch this in this verse as we just moved through, verse 20. Uh, they say, come now. So Joseph is, is on his way. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and we will see what will become of his dreams. In other words, this is like a conspiracy. This is a group of people. And so you, you, you see critics, and critics, listen, let me just tell you, critics always make it personal. 
Critics always talk about the person. Critics always move it to a place. And listen, you'll never solve conflict that way. You'll never solve a relational issue that way. We have to come to the place to where we believe the best in one another. We have to come to the place to where, you know what, we say we are in this together. And we are going to solve this together. And as a result of that, guess what? Your name is safe on my lips. I'm not going to do anything to discredit you. I'm not going to do anything to criticize you. Your name, listen, your name is going to be safe on, on my lips. And so, because the goal of critics, listen, I'm telling you, the goal of critics many times is to destroy or discredit the person, right? It's not so much what the person did wrong. It's not about that. It's about coming to the place where they just discredit or destroy that person. So when, when someone else hears that person's name, when someone else sees that person, all of a sudden your image, their reputation changes because of what someone has said about them. So critics always run in groups. Second thing is this, is critics mock people. Critics mock people. In other words, they make it so, 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 so personal. They begin to call people names. They begin to use uh, identifiers of people. They begin to mock people. Look how they do it, verse 19. Then they say, said to one another, here comes this dreamer. That's a derogatory term. I mean, they're, they're mocking him. They're making fun of him. They, and, and you know what's driving this? I'm just telling you. You know what's driving this? Jealousy. Jealousy and envy are two of the most dangerous. And, and the church, I don't think, talks about this enough. They're like two of the sins that we don't really talk about a lot because it's become so socially acceptable. Let me tell you, jealousy and envy is a relationship killer. Jealousy and envy is a friendship killer. Jealousy and envy is a celebration killer. You cannot, listen, you cannot celebrate when something good happens in someone's life if you're jealous of them or envious of them. Jealousy and envy destroys relationships, destroys friendships, destroys families. And listen, I'm telling you, jealousy and envy has to be rooted out of a family, has to be rooted out of relationships. And so this is what is driving these brothers. You know what? They're jealous. And they're jealous of Joseph because dad loves you more than me. They can't, Joseph can't control that. Joseph can't control how his dad behaves. But all of a sudden, they're jealous. And, and, and we know this. This isn't me guessing. This is what the Scripture says. And so I've told you the best commentary on Scripture, Scriptures itself, uh, Acts chapter 7, verse 9. Here, here's what they write in Acts about, about the family that Joseph came out of. And the patriarchs, that, that's Joseph's brothers, and the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt. But God was with him. Joy is not the absence of something. Joy is, joy is the presence of someone. Joy is the presence of God. Even in the pit, even with the critics all around him, God was still with him. Don't give your critics more power than they really have. Critics will make things personal, and they will mock people, and, and they will begin to say things just like they did, they did a, a, about Joseph. They they call themselves a Christian, and they go to church, and they act like that, right? And so all of a sudden, they begin mocking people. Here's another thing about critics, and you probably already know this. Critics will lie. Critics will, I mean, critics will lie to try to get their way. Critics will lie to justify their actions. Look at this, verse 20. He says, come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we will say that a fierce animal has devoured him. So that's a lie. 
and we will see what will become of his dreams. In other words, when you look, the sin of lying is always part of every sin. I mean, I mean, it's either the sin of lying, that, of deceitfulness that starts the sin, or it's the sin of lying that comes behind the sin to where you got to cover up. In their case, they had to lie to cover up. They had to lie to cover up their actions. They had to lie to cover up their motives. And, and so listen, I'm telling you what, critics, critics will lie about you. Critics will lie about you to prove that they're right and you're wrong. People, uh, people or critics will, will exaggerate, which is a lie, uh, to prove their point. And so, once, listen, once you bring yourself to deliberately commit a sin, then all of a sudden the sin of lying has to come in to cover it up. This is what happens. Watch this, verse 31. Then they took Joseph's robe and slaughtered a goat and dipped the robe in the blood. And they sent the robe of many colors and, and brought it to their father and said, so here we go. I mean, it is, it, it is happening. They're telling dad, this we have found. Please identify. So this is subtle, but it's just so important. We're just going to stop right there. He says, uh, but please identify whether it is your son's robe or not. Not our brother. Not our brother. You know how come critics can do some of the things and say some of the things? You know, you know what helps justify them? They, 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 they're no longer aware that they're in a relationship with you. He, he, he's not our brother. He, he, he's not part of our family. We're not in relationship with him. See, all of a sudden, you ever wondered how critics can say some of the things they say? And it, do, it, it seems like it doesn't even bother them. That's why right there they disassociate themselves with a person and say, guess what? We're, we're not, that's your son. That's not my brother. I'm not in relationship with him. And then all of a sudden they begin just, and then, then it just goes deeper. <coughs> and then verse 33, and he says, and he identified it and said, speaking of, jo of Jacob, it's, it's my son's rope. A fierce animal has devoured him. Joseph is without a doubt torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his garments and put on sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his sons many days. All his sons and his daughters arose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, No, I shall go down to Sheol uh, to my son mourning. Thus the father wept for him. Critics will lie to get other people to join in their group. Critics will lie to get other people to join in their cause. Can, can I just tell you? Criticism or critics never hurt just one person. Here's the interesting thing about this story. They were jealous and envious of, of, of Joseph, right? They were critical of Joseph. But they destroyed a family. It never hurts. Listen, it, ne it never hurts just one. The sisters, the st his stepsisters, they, they, they were in mourning. They thought Joseph was dead. The, the, the dad thought Joseph was dead. Listen, they wrecked a family. A critical spirit, criticism, not only will destroy a family, will destroy an organization, will destroy a, a church. When you have those things going on, I'm telling you this issue of just this, this issue of criticism, there are healthy ways to handle relationships. There's health, it was a listen, it is legitimate the coat needed to go. It was legitimate that, that Joseph needed to quit lording over them, but there is a healthy way to handle conflict in life rather than become just critical of one another and personal of one another. Here, here's another one. Critics will always justify their actions. 
Critics will always justify their actions. See, one of the ways that, that the brothers justified their action, justified their words, is by simply saying, this is, this is your son, not our brother. I mean, this, this is your son. I mean, they, they had a desire to, to clear themselves of any fault. And so, and so the way they were doing it and going to justify it is that we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens to Joseph now. We'll see about those dreams that he talks about. We'll see how his life ends up now. In other words, they wanted, they wanted to destroy Joseph, and they wanted to show that his dreams were false. In other words, that's the way they, 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 they justified. That's the way they justified everything. In other words, a lot of times in, in our times, critics... They will criticize into someone, and they will criticize them. And to justify their actions, they'll say, well, we'll see what happens to their life now. We'll see how they end up now. We'll, we hope they get what they deserve. This is what the brothers were doing. In fact, is, it's so fascinating. This is how the Jews, when they crucified Christ, this is how the Jews justified their actions for crucifying Christ. Uh, we'll pick up the story. I'll read a little bit of it. Uh, Matthew chapter 27, verse 39 and it says, and those who passed by derided him, Jesus is on the cross, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. In other words, we're justifying our actions. If you're really God, then, then, then you'd come down off the cross now. You'd come down the cross on our timetable. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, because critics mock uh, he saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now for, from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now. If he desires him, for he said, I am the son of God. In other words, here's what the Jews were saying. The Jews were saying that we're justified in crucifying him because we don't believe he's God. If he's really God, then let him come down off the cross now on our timetable. Sometimes it's a difficult thing about when you deal with critics. Critics will always be able to justify their actions. And they'll be able to, for some reason, they'll be able to find contentment in what they're saying. That's why you should never, I shouldn't say never, uh, that's why you should, you should, that's why it's difficult to engage a critic. Because a, a critic, their job is to destroy you. It is not to solve a problem. It's not to solve a relationship. And now all of a sudden, Joseph is in the pit. Uh, he thinks he's down from the count. Uh, he thinks his life is over. And then here's a crazy thing. You just see how their conscience was like seared, the brothers. Watch this. If we pick up the story in verse 25 out of Genesis chapter 37, I don't know. I don't know how the brothers were able to sit and eat a meal with their, their brother in the pit that was going to starve to death or... or, or whatever, but verse 25. Then they, the brothers, sat down to eat. And Joseph is like in the pit. And looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with, the, with their camels bearing gum, balm, myrrh on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we will kill our brother and conceal his blood? So listen, everybody needs a Judah, right? Everybody needs a friend. Everybody, listen, I'm telling you, it is bold for someone to stand up, a friend of yours, to stand up and, and defend you or try to help you. This is Judah. All of a sudden, Judah says, what will it profit us if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him, for he is, guys, remember, he's our brother. I'm telling you, everybody needs a Judah. You know, one of the things... When we go through adversity, guys, tell you this, it tells you who your real friends are, right? 
You want to know who your real friends are? Walk through, a, walk through adversity. Walk through something difficult. It's the people that are walking in when everybody else is walking out. And so he says he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brothers listen to him. Critics will always, listen, critics will, critics will always excuse their sin, regardless how horrible it is, whether it's gossip, whether it's slander, whether it's manipulation, and they will hold you accountable for every one of your sins. Fact is, they will point every one of them out. They will excuse their, theirs away like they're perfect, but they will hold you up to a standard that, you know what, nobody can live by. So the second thing about this issue of adversity is this, is you have to not only understand critics, but you have to realize that adversity realizes the truth about me. There's something about adversity. When you and I go through adversity, it helps us to understand where our comfort is, where our strength is, where our help comes from, like Pastor Tom talked about earlier in, in, in the service today, that, that there's something about adversity that it reveals the truth about us. Listen, here's the truth about criticism. In criticism, even from your harshest critics, usually there's some truth, right? One man once said there's, a, there's, an, ounce of, uh, there's an ounce of truth in every pound of criticism. In other words, this, there's two, there's two sides to criticism. One is, is there can be a little bit of truth in the criticism, right? There was some truth here. The coat needed to go. Joseph needed to quit talking about these dreams so much. Joseph needed to understand the family dynamics that were going. So that, that was truth. Everything else was exaggerated. So there's a little bit of truth in every criticism. The other thing about criticism, it helps you and I understand where our security is placed. It helps us to understand, are we living a life to approve people? Why does it bother us so much what people are saying about us? Why does it, why does it, why does it like unravel us when someone criticizes us? And so when you, look at this, when you look at this issue of criticism, it helps us to understand our strengths and weaknesses. For Joseph, the weakness, what the criticism revealed about him, his weakness was he, he needed the approval of people. He cared what people said about him. His weakness was that coat. For him, that was his identity. For him, that coat gave him significance. And so that was his weakness. It had to go if he was going to follow God. It had to go if he was going to do the things God called him to. But he also found his strength. His strength was he remained faithful to God through everything and through adversity. So one thing that adversity does, it helps us understand ourselves. The second thing is this. It, it, it helps us to realize that adversity reveals the truth about others. It's in adversity that, you know what, you, real, you, you understand or it reveals the truth about others. The, the brothers, listen, I'm telling you, the brothers were raised in the same home as Joseph, right? They all had to de deal with the same circumstances. They had a dad that loved Joseph more, more than the others. Uh, and, it, and listen, I'm telling you, it had to be awful for those brothers knowing that dad loved Joseph more than us. So it had to be a horrible situation. And Joseph was a favorite. As a result, they threw him in the pit. Uh, both handled, both went through the same adversity, and both handled adversity differently. Joseph stayed faithful to God, and his brothers melted down. Their life doesn't end up so well. We're going to look at that in the coming days. I'm t you can put the same people in the same situations and for some reason, some people come out better and some people come out bitter. Joseph remained faithful to God and he came out better. His brothers came out bitter. Joseph understood in the pit that, you know what, maybe this coat does need to go. Maybe I need to come to a place to understand my significance isn't in the approval of people. My significance is found in God. In fact, is Psalm 118.8. <coughs> 
says it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to, than to trust in man. The fourth thing is this, is we have to realize that adversity is limited by God. God is still sovereign. God is still in control. Joseph is in that pit. He had to think it was over. He had to think he's down and out. And then all of a sudden, this breath of fresh air, and he hears Judah's voice. And Judah says, hey, why should we kill him? What, what, what does that profit us? Why don't we just sell him? And all of a sudden, in a moment's notice, his life was, was, was spared. And here, here's the inter- interesting thing. God used Joseph's critics, his brothers, to accomplish his will. The very thing they did that they thought would kill God's plan in Joseph's life and keep God from accomplishing what he was going to accomplish in Joe's life was the very thing that God would use to accomplish his will. Listen, can I, can I just tell you this this morning, and then we'll, we'll move to the, the final point. Don't give your critics more power than they really have. Your critics cannot keep God from accomplishing his plans for you. Your critics cannot keep God from accomplishing his will in your life. There's something about this issue of critics. There's something about this issue of adversity that matures us emotionally and spiritually. The last thing is this, is we have to realize that, that, that adversity accomplishes God's will. We have to come to the place to we realize that, it, that, it, that adversity accomplishes God's will. And this, this is what happened in Joseph's life. He, he goes through adversity. It strips off some things of Joseph that needed to go. Joseph no longer needed the approval of people. He only needed the approval of God. If you're going to follow God, then you have to desire his approval over anybody else's approval. And you have to come to the place to where you understand that, you know what? We can have emotional, healthy relationships, and we have emotional, healthy spirituality. And when there's conflict and when there's problems, we don't have to attack a person. We can attack a problem. We can talk about the problem and not the person. We can come to a place because we're believers, because we're Christians, because our trust is in God. Joy is not the absence of someone. It's the is not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. It's the presence of God. That's what communion does for us. It is a reminder to us where, where, where wherever you are in life, whatever you're walking through right now, God is God is with you. That's the picture of communion.